Welcome to Connex, a global leadership platform for construction executives. Uh, today, I have Andrew, and I'm not want to murder your name. Is it Tyndall? Twidwell. Twidwell. Tidwell. Okay. Uh, it was close. I was close. Yeah. So. <laughs> I've been called worse. No worries. I am a contractor after all. So. <laughs> I heard. Well, uh, and uh, I have him on the phone today, and um, and your company's ABT, correct? Yes. So tell yep. us a little bit about number one. Tell us about yourself, where you grew up, kind of how you ended up where you're 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 at right now, and then tell us about your company, uh, what where you guys came from. I see you guys have been around for twenty some years. So yeah, um, yeah. So so tell tell us about yourself. Uh, yeah, so I was born and raised in San Francisco in the Mission District on a six lane street. Um, my dad started a construction company when I was probably about six or seven in the early seventies. Mm-hmm. And um, I spent, you know, evenings, weekends, holidays working with the old man. Um, I could crawl into small holes that he couldn't get into and pass him tools. And um, that kind of started my career in the construction arena. So, yeah, I've been doing it for a long time. So how did People you ask me how long, how long you've been doing it? I've been doing it about 50 years. I'm about, <laughs> I'm be 50, I'll be 55 this year. So, yeah. Uh, it's always wonderful having a parent that is in construction because you get to learn at an early age yeah. uh, <laughs> what you don't yeah. want to do. <laughs> exactly. And that was that was that was the thing. I went to school and I, I, I didn't want to be a contractor because I saw my dad suffering and working his tail off. And, you know, he worked till 62 when he passed away, he passed away early. And um, he was still pounding nails and, you know, wasn't making much money. He was a, he was a good craftsman, but he didn't have the. Um, the business acumen to actually turn it into anything. He was out there, you know, being the price leader and, and um, trying to put food on the table and he did that, but it was, you know, a struggle. It was really hard. So yeah, I, I had no, no plans on st- sticking with it, but here I am, you know, 50 years later, still doing it. <laughs> so tell us, tell us about your company. How'd you get started? And I see you started around 2000, right? Yeah. So I, um, you know, so I worked for my old man for, for many years and through high school and even a little bit after high school, but I tried a couple other d- different gigs and, um, got a job with a plumbing company and lo and behold, they actually paid me every week. So that was really nice and, um, <laughs> treated me nicely and didn't yell at me. And, um, so it, it was a t- completely different, different work environment. So I kind of stuck with that and I was making more money than any of my friends. So I just kind of, Stuck with that. Tried to tried the college gig, but that didn't quite work out. And um, learned the plumbing trade. And so, lo and behold, you know, we got married, had a couple kids. What are we going to do? We decided to move out of the Bay Area, and um, it, it was you know an expensive place to live. And we weren't sure if we wanted to bring the kids up in the Bay Area. We really wanted to move to the mountains and into the place where we like to recreate and spend our weekends. Mm-hmm. So we moved up to a small town called Grass Valley, which is kind of between Sacramento and Tahoe. Um, really lovely place, Nevada City, Grass Valley. And, uh, but it was, it was a little rough, you know, thinking here I was a plumber. I had quite a few years under my belt. I was making really good money in San Francisco. And I moved to the small rural town and people were off me like 15, $20 an hour. And I was trying to, you know, had a stay at home mom. My wife was stay at home two young kids and we tried that for about a year and it was a struggle. So mm-hmm. out of desperation, I started my own company and that was, you know, 20 years ago. And, and, um, fortunately before that I was working for a company where the, the boss had come in and said, um, he was done. He was tired of working and things weren't quite working out. And two of us had been, we were both kind of nerds and we'd been reading business books and stuff and said, Hey, mm-hmm. wait, you know, let's give us a shot. Maybe we can turn this thing around. Took him from flat, from time and material basis and took him to flat rate. Um, really, really worked on doing service more than construction. He was really doing a lot more remodels and construction and we managed to double his income. And then we decided to buy him and, um, he wanted to sell it for a lot more money than we thought he would, what it was worth. So mm-hmm. we decided to move. And then when I started this company, I kind of had built this knowledge of how to run a service company and how to price correctly and um, had an idea of actually starting a business, not just a job and started ABT. 
So, and so kind of, kind of what, uh, you know, where are you guys at today? I mean, you know, what, you know, what, what do you guys, what's your core focus and, you know, what kind of revenues do you do? Kind of that kind of thing. Yeah. So we've, yeah, I've been really fortunate. Um, I kind of had an idea of what it, what it took to run a business and I've read a lot of books, you know, I'm a, a, a voracious reader of uh, business books. You know, top number one is um, for me is, you know, the E-Myth by Michael Gerber. Had a chance to meet him at a um, trade show not long ago. And I've read his book multiple times and followed a lot of other people like that. So um, I managed to build this thing over the course of the last 20 years. And um, really within the last four or five years, we've really exploded. We've got about, Give or take, you know, 25, 23 to 25 people. We just lost one of our apprentices today. Um, and we're doing, we're on, we're on track to do 3.5. We did about 2.5 last year. Um, so we're growing at a, at a good clip. Um, and we just purchased another company in another region, just about 30, 30 minutes away from us, but in a slightly larger demographic. So um, we anticipate, I want to get this thing up to about 5 million in the next two years. So. Yeah. Are you having uh and I hate to go off on a tangent here, but tell me about the, the, you know, the issues you're having finding tradespeople. Cause I know you're probably having them. Like everybody. I mean, every, you know, everybody I talk to from, you know, I, I, I talk to restaurant owners, they're having a hard time. There's, you know, we've got a restaurant that's shut down cause they can't find people. Um, yeah. Labor is, is everybody's issue right now. Um, and with the fact that so many people are home, we've had this explosion of people wanting our services. So we've got more work than we can possibly get done and fewer and fewer people. Um, so it's, it's been a struggle. So you know, we, I'm actually in the process right now of this new company we got, we got another shop, a much bigger shop with a bigger warehouse. And we're actually gonna be putting in a training center. We're gonna build out a, um, a raised floor and put in a bathroom, put in a kitchen, furnace, water heater, electrical panel, generator, the whole bit so that we can train our guys. So we can train, you know, bring people up from, from green to technician in a couple of years. And that's the plan just to grow them. And I've been kind of doing that. Um, and I, I learned from a, um, a mentor of mine, Ellen Rohr, and she's like, you know, you're going to need to go through four, apprentices for everyone you keep and i just keep reminding myself that because that's you know this <laughs> yeah. one guy i'm losing right now we've been working with him for a year and a half and we were just getting ready to put him in a truck and he had some family issues and he's got to move back to ohio so it is what it is right i mean i, I can't begrudge him for doing that but it's tough because you know yeah, you invest all this time and money yeah and you know and you but you can't get mad right it's it's it is it just is what it is so um but having that knowledge, knowing that I'm going to have to go through at least five people, four guys before I can actually keep one has really helped me mentally because yeah, you get, you get upset, right? Cause you put, you, you know, you, you, they become part of your family. You put all this energy, you put all this money into them and they go off and start their own business or they go off and, and work for your competitor. And that's just the nature of the beast. It just happens. So yeah, it's, well, but yeah, even well, finding apprentices right now is really hard just finding well, people that want to turn a wrench. I'm uh, I'm glad to hear that you're actually doing something cuz a lot of people are not doing anything. You know, you're doing something to kind of help that cause but it sounds like you you know rather than sit around and wait for somebody else to figure it out or somebody else to come you're going to do it yourself and um but uh yeah, I, yeah, I work hand in hand with AGC and boy man it's a major major problem across the construction industry. Yeah, well I'm you know I've been in this industry long enough to you know, I've seen it, it's been bad 30 years ago, right? I mean, we're all aging out. I'm 55 and I'm one of the young guys. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's been an issue forever. Um, and then, you know, between people not wanting to go into the trades and then the last recession that we had where construction just died and that's where we were getting all our service guys was out of the construction field. So then you had this, this desert of nobody getting into the trades because there just wasn't any work. And now we're, you know, 15 years later or 12 years later, we're having that, you know, even worse. Now we got the pandemic and we've got more people that want our services and even fewer people that want to do this. Um, yeah. You got to grow your own, man. It's tough. So but, what do you, th what do you think? I mean, you, you talked a little bit about the fact that people moved around. What do you think is the, 
you know, my grandfather, when he was a carpenter, he was a journeyman carpenter and he, uh, uh, you know, he, he, it was like kind of like a, uh, a white collar in a blue collar world was kind of a white collar job. Tradesmen were looked very highly upon, you know, right. and it seems like that has changed a bit, you know, because the push for many, you know, yeah. high schools are put to university. What do you, what do you think about, what do you think is really driving the whole lack of trades personally? Well, I mean, I'm, I'm in the plumbing industry and the service industry. So, you know, not a lot of people want to work sewage, right? It's it's mm. dirty business, and I you know I try to remind these guys, man, it smells like money to me because it's. I know. That's uh, what yeah. I'm gonna say. <laughs> it, it's great. I mean, replacing a sewer, you can make a ton of money, and clearing a sewer, you can make a ton of money. Um, and I think there is, I think we've done a disservice to ourselves. You know, I think a lot of the T and M guys have done a real big disservice to our industry. You know, bad mouthing the guys that have gone flat rate, um, and not paying our, our staff enough. You know, I've, I've got competitors or actually the company I just bought, they've got guys that were making 25 bucks an hour that have been doing it for 11 years. I'm like, wait, what? No benefits, no nothing. I mean, you know, these guys should be making 35, 30 to 35 bucks an hour plus some benefits. And we're just, we're doing it to ourselves. You know, um, my guys are making anywhere from, you know, 60 to hundred thousand dollars a year in a rural economy. And I got friends that are in the Bay Area that are doing 150 to 200 grand. So, you know, we have, and I don't think we're doing a great job of, it, of telling people that, hey, this is actually not a bad career to get into. And especially if you've got the mindset where, you know, like myself, I, and most contractors I know, and most people that work in the industry I know, we see things in pictures. We don't see things in words. We can yes. take apart things in our head and put them back together. Before, you know, we know how to take something apart and put it back together. It's just, you know, it's like nothing to us, right? It's easy. Um, and th those are the kind of kids that we want to get into the industry that don't work well with on a computer, that don't work well with tech, and that they have a possibility of actually building a career and, and buying a home and buying new cars and getting their kids to go to college and all that stuff. And we haven't really, we haven't really told people that, you know? Yeah. And honestly, I, you know, cause I grew up in the trades myself and I can say that, you know, it, it, I miss a lot of a lot of it. I don't miss when it was cold outside, but I do yeah. miss I, I do miss a lot of it because there's something to be said. Seem like the days fly by, you know. Yeah. And and you get to every day is a little something different, you know. And yeah, uh, and I, I tell the guy, I tell my office staff and my and my field staff, it's like my job now. It's you know, as an owner, there's no real beginning, middle, or end. And when you're out in the field, you've got a project to do. You start it, you work on it, you finish it, the customer's happy, and you're done, and you move on to the next one. And in, in the business side, or if you work in an office or something, it's just like dishes, man. You, you do the dishes, and the sink's suddenly full again, right? It just doesn't <laughs> stop, you know? Yeah. yeah so and, there's something and, really great about that, being out in the field. and just it's, You just got a job to do, you get done, and people are happy. And you, I love and you move that. on to the I, next project. I love that tangible outcome to, yeah. to me. And it, it seems like most people who are in construction, that's why they're there is they love that tangible outcome. But uh, totally. Um, what do you think is the most significant event that has shaped your business today? Yeah, for me, you know, um, personally was reading and listening to other people, right? Mm -hmm. Um I'm, I'm a, a, a voracious reader, um, and I, I started reading early on back in – before I started this company, 25, 30 years ago, a lot of – I was reading Plumbing Mechanical um, back when magazines were important, right? We didn't have iPads <laughs> yeah. and stuff. And Frank Blau was just fascinated by him, and he was like the grandfather of uh, new uh, flat rate business model, right? And um, And he really had a big – turn in my in my perspective on how to look at how to run a business even though i was an employee but i saw that as a potential for even as an employee like you know like i said we took that company that i worked for i started i was working i was making maybe 20 bucks an hour and i turned that into a seventy thousand dollar a year position in that company by helping him see that new flat the flat rate system would really turn his income around it and also turn my income around mm -hmm. so that was you know it for service flat rate pricing huge huge what do you think, you know, have you, have you had any, any single, um, and by the way, I just want to say, you know, you, 
an education doesn't mean having to go to school. An education means that, you know, you constantly are learning and it sounds like you figured that out. And when you're passionate, that's just something you do, you know? Um, But have you had any like game changing events? And I know since 2000, there's been a lot of events that occurred, you know, Enron uh, had occurred, you know, we had the, the 2007 to 2009 great recession we've had covid the last couple years uh is there any uh, is there any game changing event you can point to that said hey this is the this is the thing that helps me move forward in my business um you know, having kids has really changed my, my outlook <laughs> you know because all of a sudden that you know you want to leave a legacy for your kid right or for your children um, you know, big, I, I, that's, a, that's a big one. I mean, that's a very big and personal it's, one. It's it's huge, yeah. Because you know, if it was just me and my wife, I I don't know if I'd be working like I'm working. Because I, you know, I'm, I'm I'm we're financially set. I don't have to worry about stuff anymore. But I want to be able to leave enough for my kids so that they don't have to worry like I did when I was growing up or coming of age, right? Um, but I don't know if there was any one thing like you know history in history or that that occurred that really thrust me other thrust me into this other than having children so you had said that you know that during the uh, great recession it actually helped you a little bit because people moved away from construction into more of the service industry um oh no it, has, it did not help me it did oh not it help didn't me. help you it didn't no help no dude i was I, we had I, I had about five trucks in 2008 and I got down to two. It was just me and other guy and an office person. But I made, I, you know, I'd made some poor business decisions at the time. And of course, you know, I would, I try to learn from other people's mistakes, but I made those mistakes, you know, invested too heavily in, in the company and, and leveraged it. And I was, went into major debt, bought a lot of trucks, uh, put a lot of money into marketing. And then my revenue just dried up. Um, that was it was painful that was a painful time well you know the 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 funny thing is is that uh you get an education you you either pay for it to do yep. it or read or you you pay through it to the school of hard knocks <laughs> exactly and that was a major yeah that was like you know a couple hundred thousand dollar education that was that was my college education right there well the good, good news you came out on the other side of that how has covid yeah. affected you you know it's it's double-edged sword we've got more work than we can handle but you know i've got two guys out in quarantine right now um i've got a major issue trying to find new people um people moving away it, it's it's rough i mean it's mm-hmm. been good i mean the numbers are good we're up 50 percent over the last year so that's good but um I don't have the staff, so it's hard. And, it, and, you know, and each time, each time somebody gets comes in contact, I had one kid that lives with his mom, twenty three years old, and his mom got COVID. So guess what? He gets a two week paid vacation right now because I can't bring him back to the staff. Right, you know, and it's a. It seems like it's an everyday fight, you know. Um, yeah. To get through this, I mean, we, I thought we were, we were through this, and then I had personally in my company, I had one person. Um, who was vaccinated came down with uh, COVID and yeah, then his, same. his bro- brother actually works here and then he was unvaccinated and and it's like okay well I thought vaccination was the fix but maybe it's not you know or, or yeah you know but I similar thing we had one of our office staff unvaccinated came down with it really bad my other office staff who was vaccinated fine no issues didn't get it um so it's, it's hard to say, right? I mean, you can still get it. It's still, you know, just like the flu, the flu vaccination, you can still get the flu, mm-hmm. but just less likely to get it. Right. Um, but yeah, one of our guys vaccinated, he got it really bad and he's, he's still dealing with some of the repercussions of, of catching it, even with the vaccination. How, uh, you know, we have chosen my, in my company, we, we have chosen to not make it mandatory. You know, I, I, I served in the Navy, so I'm big on the, believe it that people have the freedom to do what they want right to a certain degree but this is a this is a slippery slope because everybody's actions affects everyone else so yeah it's it's a tough one how are you doing that within your business we're not making it mandatory 
I, you know, I, I incentivize I, early on. I, I started giving out a $200 gift card. If you got a, if you got a vaccination card, I'll give you 200 bucks and as a gift card. So, um, and I got a couple people over the, over the hump with that because it was like, yeah, maybe I'll do it. But yeah, 200 bucks. Sure. Why not? Um, but yeah, we're not making it mandatory. And, but you know, as we look at hiring new people, we're, um, that is a question that comes up and you have to be really good. I'm going to have to really want you to, to get me past it. If you don't have a vaccination, if you got a vaccination, that's another thing in your column for me wanting to hire you. Yeah. Well, it's interesting to hear because there, I talk to people, a lot of people, and it's just interesting here how everyone's trying to handle it. And it is a, it's a tough one. It definitely yeah. Is. I, I mean, you're in Vistage. I'm in Vistage. We had a long conversation about this, this last meeting, our monthly meeting. And, um, you know, everything from, we got a, a guy who has a staffing company, another, um, CPA company, and they're, they're struggling with it, you know, um, and a lawyer there, he's like, you know, he actually, the lawyer is making it mandatory, but he had kind of done it in a way that um, you can't come to the office if you're not vaccinated. Mm-hmm. But and you can work from home, but you have to be able to um, do your work and not have any. Ins- you can't be insufficient in your in your working thing in your working ability. So now it's just a performance thing. So if they can't perform outside of the office, they're gone. So. Oh, okay. So it's not, it's not because of the fact that you didn't get your vaccination. So, but I've heard other people are like, yeah, we're just not, we're not going down that. That's because it's, it's scary because you don't know, we have, there's no precedent yet. Right. So you could be sued until the, yeah. until the government says, this is it. I'm not going there because it's just, you know, I don't, I don't need to lose my company because of some, one decision like this. So uh, you talked about acquiring another company and a few other things that you're doing. Tell me about kind of like what your five-year plan in is, and you're not you're not too old to have a ten-year plan either. So tell me about what your thoughts are about the future. Yeah, yeah. I'm, my plan is to keep growing this thing, um, and we do a lot of marketing. I'm, I, I have a background in, in the arts, so I like that aspect of it. I really like marketing; it's really fun. Um, so through marketing and through acquisition, um, I've, I've listened to enough gurus. I, you know, a big um, a listener of Tommy Mello. I don't know if you know, a, a one garage door. He's got a podcast and, and Ken Goodrich. He's built Gettle heating and plumbing down in, um, the Southern States into close to a billion dollar company through acquisition. And I fought kind of follow those models. Al Levy's model of, you know, buying companies and with, uh, more of a marketing play than necessarily mm. a buying a company for the assets you know, or for the business, I just buy it for the, for the phone, making the phone ring. Right. If I can, yes. if they're doing, if they're getting eight calls a day and they're undercharging, it's not really worth any money to anybody, but since they're making the phone ring eight times a day, I can look at it and go, okay, I can give you, you know, my marketing budget is about 5%. So as long as I can make 5% on that and I know with those eight calls, I can do X then I can pay you this much. And it's so far it's been working. I'm, I've bought, five companies so far oh and wow wow it's it's been it's been good it's been good um so so have you thought about i mean you're you said you're 54 yeah yeah have you thought about what happens are you, you your kids interested in the business sound like your kids are small you know no they're old they're like 22 and 25 but neither oh, of them okay. want okay neither of them want the business neither of them want to get into this my, my son had a um liberal arts education um he's he studied education in american studies and my daughter's um child care child development so neither neither will want to get into this so i don't have any legacy for them to buy into the company mm-hmm. um so yeah my exit strategy is kind of it was i had really thought about selling um but looking at this more and more it's like i've got a buddy who is more of an associate but we know each other pretty well Mm-hmm. He lives in Spain and runs a six hundred six million dollar plumbing company in Reno and 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 Las Vegas, and he's just it's a business, right? And he's built a business where he is on the board of directors. He doesn't work in the business any longer, and he makes a very nice salary, very nice income off of that business that he doesn't have to run at all. Um, and that's sounding more and more like the path that I want to go down to. Um, the other thing, though, is 
private equity is getting really big in our industry. So that's another possibility to be able to take some money off the table um, and just selling a portion of the company if I can get this thing big enough. Um, but that's that's another story. That you know that's that's in that's when you get to seven to fifteen million dollars a year. But you know, well, if I can get it there, that, which I hope, you know, that's a possibility. Well, you know, it's good that you're that you're thinking about it. I put a plan together that uh, myself that I had a ten year plan to turn it over to an employee owned company. And, yeah. And uh, it's it's actually working out well. Number one, retaining you. people. You yeah. know, that's helpful. And then number two is, you know, you you really get good people. I mean, the only thing you can attract, I mean, you're in a same similar situation as me um, in a lot of ways. In order to get a really sharp, sharp person and attract them away from, say, maybe a larger company, you got to you have to have something to throw at them. And ownership has been you my have bank, a big carrot. You know? Yeah. Equity's yeah, good. So, so are you uh, doing are you following like. I'm just rereading Jack Stack's book, the, the great game of business. Um, are you kind of modeling after that or, you know, open book management with the whole bit and kind of a game or are you just doing the classic kind of ESOP? Well, we're not, ESOP costs a lot of money to put together, but there's a lot of tax yeah. benefits there. So what we have done is we've identified, basically we broke our company to a thousand shares and we've identified, you know, kind of who gets what. And then the right. detail, the details on the valuation I've laid out what, you know, where we need to be for me to step out. And, right. uh, um, as long as we get there, then, you know, then it's, it's theirs. I have two, two sons that work in the business. My daughters worked in the business, but they decided they don't want no part of it, at least right now. <laughs> right. So, right. So, um, it's stressful. But, yeah, it is. Not everybody's made out for this. Yeah. And, uh, um, you know, one of my son's plans to be in the business, but my other son, he does jujitsu and he, his plan is, is that, soon as he's able to get bought out, he's going to buy out and take some of that money and open his own jujitsu, you know, Good for him. so, yeah. uh, so, um, you know, talking, uh, you know, both personally and professionally, tell me a little bit about, you know, some of the bigger, biggest successes you've had and some of the, some of the failures you've had that have helped you. Um, yeah, the biggest failure was, yeah, the, the 2008 recession that, that, you know, I, I, I really messed up back then. I, I was trying to grow the company and I built a company that was incredibly top heavy without realizing it. And I wasn't watching the numbers close enough. And, but like we said, it's that was that expenses education, right? So now I'm with that knowledge moving forward. You know, I've got my metrics. I know where I, I know where I need to be. I know where my bottom line needs to be. I know where my, my cogs need to be. I know where my expenses need to be as a percentage of, 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 income and I know the number of uh, back office staff that I need for every, for every technician that I have out in the field. Um, so that was a big education. I learned that one the hard way, right? Mm -hmm. um, I think that was the, one of the biggest things. That was one of the biggest learns. And then, and then the acquisition, the acqu being able, learning how to buy other companies and do it, you know, trying to find a, um, like this, this last one, we just closed on this one, gosh, not even 30 days ago. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I was talking to a guy at a, at a trade show who's got a really good sized company in, in Philly. And he's not, he did the same sort of thing. And he gave me a couple tricks of just way, ways of wording the, the letter um, and sending it out to all these business owners and, and wording it in a, such a way of like, this is, I want to help you with your exit because even though I'm 55, it seems old, but I'm young compared to most of the guys that own business businesses, my industry, right? They're mm -hmm. baby boomers. They're in their, they're in their late mid to late sixties to early seventies uh, or, or late seventies. And they're still out there turning wrenches. Um, and they are looking for a way to get out. And if you can give them at least some honorable way of being able to sell something, right? at least get something for their, for all their blood, sweat and tears and their years of working, they'll be pretty happy about it. Like I, this guy, you know, it wasn't as much as he wanted. He thought his company was worth four times what I gave him or five times it, what I gave him. It never is, huh? It never is. Right. Cause <laughs> yeah. his, his EBITDA was zero because he was paying himself mm -hmm. a salary that if I was to replace him, I'd have to pay somebody more than he was actually paying himself. And there was nothing at the bottom end. To, there was no profit. And he didn't quite get that concept. 
So his, his business was zero. It was worth nothing as for an investor, but his phone was ringing. So it was worth that to me, right? Um, so I could, I could give him a monthly payout for, and with a, a decent down payment for, for some of the equipment and tools and trucks and stuff. Um, so that was a big, that was a big game changer when I learned that concept of being able to help people with their exit strategy, um, and keep my phone ringing and not having and you know, to spend a, yeah. And at the end of the day, you know, no matter how people try to parse it away or say what they do in construction, every business is a people business. And, yeah, you know, if you, and it sounds like you have a true desire to, to help others, you know, yeah. and, uh, uh, you can't. Uh, I guess that explains why you've been successful in the, in that way. And because uh, we're we're actually thinking about an acquisition right now, too. And I'm hesitant because it's the first one I've ever done, you know, yeah. and I've grown everything organically. And it is a, it is a little a little tricky. You got to learn a lot. It's scary. Yeah, yeah. And this one this one I did was not smooth either because I ended up um, I live in California. The area that I live in is at 2000 feet right where paradise happened it stuff's burning like crazy I already i was already evacuated once and almost evacuated last week um my wife and i bought a place in saint paul minnesota and we decided to be out of california for the fire season and i'd been working on this deal for seven years and it finally closed the same month we were coming out here <laughs> so oh, was, wow. the timing was terrible and my my staff's pissed off at me everybody's mad at me um but we made it happen and you know it's never it never goes the way you plan right but it goes it works and it'll work out but um yeah and, wow. and like with the acquisition you're looking at it may not go as, as you have a plan but it'll probably be okay as long as you get as long as the numbers work as long as you don't overpay you'll be fine what uh if you were to give advice to somebody either in the industry or another uh, owner or someone who's mid-level management, personal and professional advice, what advice would you give them? Work on the business, not in the business. You know, it's it's that that's that was the game changer, right? That's the game changer for every successful contractor I've ever met every successful business owner I've ever met. You can build an amazing job for yourself in the construction industry, but it will always be just a job. Yeah. The guy that I just bought this business from works 60 hours a week. He's in his mid sixties. He worked his tail off in this company, in this company that he built. It was worth nothing. You know, he managed to get a couple hundred grand out of it, but that's not enough to retire these days. So no. had he 10, 15 years ago started pulling himself self out of the role of estimator out of the self out of the out of project manager out of the role of management and working on his business he could have had something that where he was pulling in that same twice what he was making now what he was making when he sold the company and have a business that was worth five times what he sold it to me for if he had worked on the business not in it and, and you know that's incredible most most people don't get that but uh, I, I know for myself, timing was the critical function of that, you know, because you get yeah. out of the out of the role of doing, <laughs> you know, because you hire yeah. other people. And then uh, uh, and it's a different and, and I, I kind of track it up to, you know, there's some people who suited to do it and some people are not suited to do it. You know, yeah. either, either totally. you have to change, change and move forward or. You know, it's a different or, business, right? I mean, it's a different job yes. that you get yourself into because you yeah, have turning a wrench or pounding nails or whatever, that tangible day that you have, all of a sudden now you're managing people and you can't yell at them all the time because they'll leave you, <laughs> you know, because they're really hard to find right now. You got to be nice to these guys, even when they're complete a-holes, you know, <laughs> it's not easy. And you have to be a people person because that's what it is. You're dealing with customers and you're dealing with, with staff and, and coworkers. And, you know, we always say like, yeah, I always say my life would be so much easier if I didn't have coworkers and and, and <laughs> clients, but what would I have? Nothing. You know? Yeah. No, that, that is your business. So, yeah. uh, I, I'm going to switch up and do what I call the lightning round, which is cool. I'm going to go through uh, eight different categories and I want you to rate it one to 10 
10 being the most important, one being the least important, and they could all be tens, you know? So, um, so I just want to know, you know, how important do you think these items are? So, yeah, cool. uh, and if you want to back it up with any, uh, you know, explanation, feel free. So the first item is scheduling. Scheduling. That's a 10. We're, we're, you know, that's a struggle, especially right now. Cause you, we actually have a new, well, I'm going to say this one because I just learned this from Lowe's because I'm getting some carpets installed at a place. Mm -hmm. And when they, when I talked to the dispatcher, they let us know that we're going to make sure that you are safe and our and our staff is safe. If anybody contract, if anybody shows any symptoms or comes in contact with anybody with COVID or if they are contract COVID, we may have to cancel your appointment. Right now we're having a heck of a time scheduling and that, that one thing, man, that's, huge because people it takes the it takes it off of the dispatcher right they're not mm -hmm. they're not quite as mad at the dispatcher anymore because it's outside of our control but yeah scheduling huge huge what about estimating we yeah you have to know your numbers you have mm -hmm. to have, you have to sell your products or services for more than it costs for you to produce or or, or um service right and we use a flat rate system which I love. Well, you know, the funny thing is I, I watch, I don't know if you watched the profit with Marcus Lemonis. Oh yeah. From, okay. Well, he, yeah. so I, 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 I always learn a lot from that and it, it cracks yeah. me up because he's always the one, know your numbers, you know, so. Your numbers. Uh, Business uh, is numbers. It's just a, it's a big game. And as, the, the thing that I kind of got too from, from Ellen Rohr is that it's a game. And if you can just, it's just your scorecard. And if you can just make it a game and take a lot of the emotion off of it, it's just like playing baseball or, or soccer or basketball. You win, lose, you win or lose by the numbers. And it's a, it's, I don't know how, how an owner uh, of a business could put his head down on a pillow every night and not know that he made money today or he lost money today, you right. know, and that, that is. Yeah, don't uh, wait till the end of the year to figure that out. Exactly. Exactly. And so many people exactly. do. It's ridiculous. They wait till their CPA to tell them, oh yeah, you made money this year. You have five thousand dollars in taxes. No, you should know your numbers on a daily basis. Um, what about? And I'm going to separate these two. One's contract administration, meaning administering the contract, actually executing the contract, and one of them is, and the other one is contracts, the actual physical contract. So, what are your thoughts on those two? We don't do a lot of construction, so we don't get into that a lot um, because our, you know, our guys go out and, you know clear sewer or whatever, or put in an HVAC system. Um, so I don't know how we don't really play that much with contracts. It's, it's um, usually just a, sh a handshake. It is, you know, we have contracts in our CRM through Service Titan, but it's not really something that the customer pays much attention to. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, that, that, that does make sense. What about um, design? Design because you because you guys kind of go out and do a do a project. It it it's uh, is there a design aspect to that that you got it? Well, obviously there is because you got to yeah it's, yeah anything from running a gas line to putting in a HVAC system to putting in a a, a panel upgrade or new a new service. Yeah, there's going to be some design aspect of it. Um, yeah, so it's important. But again, our our projects. Service and repair, we're not, you know, we don't have architects. We're not dealing with engineers. We're dealing with the technician that goes out and knows the basis of how to make things work. They know mm -hmm. how much air flows through a six-inch duct. They know how much gas, how many cubic feet goes through a one-inch gas line, how much, how many amps is going to go through uh, a number six wire. So that's the design aspect for us, if you will. So it's training. I mean, we're constantly training our guys on how to, how to design things. Constantly. Accounting. Ten. <laughs> Huge. <laughs> learn to re learn how to read a PL, a balance sheet, and if you have a, if you can boil it down to a, a dashboard, get a dashboard. Use a CRM that can give you a dashboard. Mm -hmm. Makes life so much easier. I think I know the answer to this next one. Selling work. Yeah, it's huge. Yeah. I mean, we have one of the, we have, um, I've subscribed to, um, a couple different programs for selling procedures and scripts. Mm -hmm. 
and they've they've helped us hugely. Selling is is by far. I mean, we're you know we're a people industry. We're we're going to people's homes and having to make sure that the the client's comfortable with us and not afraid of us. They don't have any tattoos on their neck or um, you know really dirty fingernails, um, and being able to give them a price that more than likely is. 10, 15, 100% more expensive than some of my competitors. I mean, you know, if we compare it to like a handyman or something. Um, so yeah, sales is huge. Selling is huge. And the last one is leadership. 10. And it, I mean, I, I'm no, my leadership now is as we grow the company, I'm a coach and I'm trying to coach my next leaders in the company. Well, I want to thank you for uh, meeting with me today. I got, I got a lot of good, uh, a lot of good information. No matter who you talk to, it seems like, uh, uh, you know, you, you get some good value out of it. And uh, I enjoyed yeah. really speaking with you. And um, I, uh, I want, as a fellow Vistage member, I want to, you know, shout out to Vistage. It's been helpful to me. I don't know about for you, but it's been. Extremely- it's been huge, yeah. Because like I just started a, a year, no, or one year is coming up this month, and um. It's cool being around a diverse group of people because I've been in other industry-specific groups, and mm-hmm. it's nice to be in a, a non-industry-specific group and seeing people that are making that have companies that are doing a hundred million dollars, right? And realizing that they're just people, and they have just the same dysfunction, the same problems that you do at, at two million or three million dollars or a hundred thousand dollars. They're just people, so that, that's cool. That's really nice. But I want to thank you for. Uh for meeting with me today and, and Thanks, giving Scott. everybody some uh, some insight into what you do. And I want to, I always give my guests a chance for the last word. So you have the last word. Keep learning. <laughs> Keep learning. Listen to podcasts. I love podcasts. That's why I, when they, I got invited to do this, I'm like, heck yeah, I love these things. <laughs> you learn something new every time. You get little you nuggets, do. right? Yeah. You do for sure. Cool. Well, once again, I just want to thank you for meeting with me and uh, for my audience. uh, Tune in next week for another Connex podcast.
Awesome. Thanks, Scott.